And thank you also for those of you who came around uh, and supported uh, around the back here all of the runners that came past. Uh, I think year on year, as we've had a presence at the Great Birmingham Run, we've um, found that uh, we've doubled in numbers of those coming to support every time. And so it's just been fantastic to see everyone around. And I know uh, for those running, uh, when they kind of got round the back of the, the cricket ground and heard our band first and then saw the supporters, you could see the visible difference they made. And the feedback we've had from the runners is that ours was kind of the best bit of the whole of the run, which I think <laughs> is how it should be, isn't it? Um, and so thank you for making that uh, the kind of moment it was. I think for the highlights for me have to be probably the two best encouragers I've ever seen, though obviously all of us were great encouragers. One was Moby, who's on uh, kind of visuals at the back, who I've never seen anyone run on the spot for the entire half marathon in order to support everyone who's running. And uh, like, the guy was phenomenal. And so I think, Moby, well done. I think personal highlight was this lady who was more mature in years, and Moby kind of ran alongside her and kind of picked her up. <laughs> I like ran with her. I thought, this is awesome. And then also Colin, who's not here this morning, but Colin Wallace on the microphone, grabbing it, and then, because everyone's name's on their badge, like personally naming people as they go past, and just saying, you're amazing, Alison. You can do this. You are made for this. And you can see people kind of like pick themselves up. And so it was just like a moment of us properly being Oasis in the city. And I think, and I hope that we get to see that though it's a lot of fun, which is good, it's also a moment where we get to reveal that God is for this city. And not only that God is for this city in general, but that God is for every individual who ran that race, which I think is just an unbelievable kind of privilege that we get to be part of. Now in it, what we experienced last year, those of us, last week even, those of us who were supporting, maybe some of us this morning thinking, man, I didn't get to experience it. Don't worry. It's an annual event. You can come next year. But that deep sense of encouragement that we were able to give every individual who is running that race actually is a deep sense of encouragement or a very poor, in some ways, image of what every single one of us as believers in Jesus are able to know. And when we get to look at this next bit of Ephesians that we're looking at in our series we've entitled Crafted, what we're going to get to see is how Paul wants us to get hold of something, that if we've centered our lives on Jesus, that we have one who is God, who's longing to encourage us in the, most de- in the very depths of our being, in the race that we're now running, to know more of Jesus and to reveal more of Jesus. And my hope is that by the end of me speaking, that we'll get hold of that more and understand something of what we have at our disposal. But I want us to straight away jump into the scripture we're going to look at, which is picking up the prayer that Mike looked at a couple of weeks ago uh, in Ephesians 1, and it's verses 18 to 23. Paul writes this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things 
under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. To be honest, when I read this and realized I was going to be looking at it, I thought this is just way too much. And the challenge is, just looking up, and we're going to be picking up from verse 19 through to 23, this week and next, to try and do that justice and say, right, let's just squeeze this in. It would feel like we're squeezing in. This isn't like a big weekend a moment. This is like squeezing in too much for this moment. And therefore, what I want us to do is look at these verses this week and next in order that we can allow it to breathe out in us. And allow we can understand something of the... the the measure of what Paul is wanting us to get hold of. And so next week, we're going to look at something more of the wonder of who Jesus is. I want Jesus to tower far above us in order that we won't limit who he is. But also, for us not only to see who he is, we're also next week going to see who we are as the church. Because we mustn't ever underestimate who the church is on this earth. But today, what I want us to look at is the whole element of God's power. And understanding that we have been crafted with power. Now that power isn't some kind of abstract concept, but rather is the person who is God, part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, what I want us to get hold of is understanding there is a power that is the Holy Spirit who's longing to work within us. Who's longing to be revealed through us. But before we get there, I guess I thought that probably the place we need to start is actually there's a problem with power. There's a power problem. Because the thing is, as I've contemplated and allowed these verses to take more and more of a root in me, it's caused me to understand something about myself a bit more. And it's caused me to reveal a few things that I wasn't so happy about myself that actually I've realized that when I hear that word power, I don't always take hold of it. I don't kind of like it. I don't like it for a couple of reasons. One is because it reveals something about me and that I'm actually a bit independent. And I wonder if some of what I'm going to say about me isn't some shock confession in the front of voices, but I'm hoping maybe be helpful for many of us here because maybe it's true for us as well. You see, we live within a culture where we're told to take care of ourselves, and part of maturing is to take care of yourself. And therefore, when it becomes this moment where you realize that actually the only way I can know peace with God and peace within myself and peace with others is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we think, oh yeah, I want that. And so we think, yeah, I've got nothing I can add to the table. Jesus, you have everything. And so we say, yeah, for my salvation, Jesus, I trust you. But then what I find is I then say, well, now in me revealing and living in the good of that salvation is kind of down to me. I suddenly allow this independence to kick in and think, well, no, maturity is that I learned to do this by myself, isn't it? So I kind of say, well, Jesus, I know I needed you there, but I'll take it from here. And if I'm honest, that can be how I can live my life, that actually I can find myself in my weekdays just think, actually, yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing this stuff for God. I know I'm employed by a church. Surely it's got to be about God, isn't it? <laughs> that I'm doing this stuff for God. Okay, God, I'll take it from here. I, I've got this one. You, you can keep seated. And yet what God wants us to get hold of, what God wants me to get hold of is that 
This isn't the way. It isn't meant to be that I just work hard for this. See, the problem with independent thinking is it causes you to work hard. And when you work hard, you smell. Now, if you don't believe me, you should have been here last Sunday. People who were running the half marathon by the eight-mile route, they looked very sweaty, some of them. Some of them looked pretty cool, like in the park. You know, this is just a stroll for me. There's one guy within Oasis who ran it in one hour 18. Phenomenal. He just looked like he was like skating across the ground. It was like, this guy's amazing. There were others, though, I promise you, who looked like they were working very hard and their body probably was working even harder, thinking, what on earth are you doing? And they were pouring with sweat. And the closer they get and got to you, you realize, man... 24-hour deodorants don't work. (laughs) See, working hard smells. And it smells a bit whiffy. But Jesus wanted us to know a life where actually we don't have to work hard at it, but rather we work at partnership with him. I know that there's this power at our disposal that allows us to not smell rubbish, but allows us to know an ease. So the first problem I found is that I found that actually it reveals something of my independence. The other thing that it revealed is actually that I have a problem with the word power. Power within the culture we live in just kind of sounds a bit negative. We can look at the world around us and think, well, when you think of those in power, there can be this element of cynicism. Cynicism that sometimes is rightly there because we realize that actually those that are in power are often those that we question, are they using it for the best of others? And often we can find examples there that a a, a moment of power that's been given to a person is then used to oppress rather than to do them good. We find that there's misuses and abuses of power. And for the whole word and think, oh yeah, I want people to know that I'm filled with power. I think, no, no, I don't actually want that because the culture knows what power looks like and I don't want anything to do with that. And to be honest, we don't have to just look, unfortunately, outside of the church in terms of misuses of power. We can look within the church. We can look at moments of demonstrations of power and we think, but surely that isn't it, is it? Touch the screen, send some money, and you'll know the power? Someone who seems to dazzle and sparkle, and yet there seems to be questions about how they live their life. And you think, I I don't want anything to do with that. See, when we look at this whole subject of power, I think we've got to be honest within ourselves and say, but where are we at? Are we those who've got like me and saying, it's okay, God, I I can take it from here today? Are we those who, when we hear that word power, think, actually, this isn't something I want because it's just been misused And you see, before we can even look at these verses, I think we've got to remind ourselves is there is a different model in terms of power. There's a model of power that was revealed in Jesus. In Luke 4.14, it says this about Jesus, who is God on earth. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee. This is after he'd been out in the wilderness. And it says that he was then in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside, Luke 4.14. That Jesus was one, we're told, who is full of power. Who is God? And yet because of this trinity that God is equally Father, Son, and Spirit, 
That when the Son is on earth doing the will of the Father, he's doing it through the power of the Spirit. And we're told that actually what we're about to look at in a moment has been modelled for us. Has been modelled of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. And when you look at the accounts of Jesus' life, and I'd encourage you, if you've never done that, start off with the book of Mark in the Bible. It will reveal something about what power truly is going to look like. You find one who's filled with power, and how that's revealed is he's full of compassion. He's full of mercy. He spends time with those that no one else wants to be around. He's quick to listen rather than to speak. He's one who seems to have real power. And so you find accounts where Jesus is able to bring healing. He's able to cause sickness to go. We find the accounts where Jesus actually caused death to no longer be there as he brings someone back to life. We find accounts where Jesus has real power, that we find he's one who can actually stop nature in its tracks. There's a power that wasn't just that he could be a nice person, but it's also that he had real power at his disposal. But within it, what you discover as you see how he lived with this power is his power was always used to liberate rather than dominate. His power ultimately was used to give rather than gain. And so you find that actually the kind of crunch point of Jesus' existence and the revelation of his true power was the point at which he didn't take his life as his own but laid it down for all of us in that he could make a way that we could know peace with God. It says Paul writing to the Philippians says that he did not grasp, Jesus did not take it for granted that he had equality with God. He said, actually, no, even though I've got equality with you, Father, I now choose to lay down my life, even to death. That what we find out in terms of power is it's not something that becomes a dominating thing. It's not something that's about a gaining thing. It's rather something that's about liberation and about giving. That's what Jesus modeled. So then, what does this power look like that Paul is saying is at our disposal? Because if Jesus lived with it, if he who is God was filled with power, then who are we to not think, well, we kind of need to follow your example then and live the same way? And Paul says, well, there's this power. And it's a power he wants to reveal to us a power that is available. Ephesians 1, 19 to 21. just want to read it again. This power and his, God wants to give us his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I've got a lawn in my garden, and occasionally I mow it. I mean that, it's just literally occasionally. Lucy does it more frequently. Occasionally I do it. I don't really like mowing lawns. I don't really like gardens, to be honest. If I had my way, tarmac it. But we have grass and it's okay. But the deal is, when you mow a lawn, you use a lawnmower. This is kind of rocket science, isn't it? Now, with our lawnmower, something happened during the summer. And that was that our rabbit chewed through the electrical cable. Not while it was on, while it was off. Therefore, it needed fixing. And when you need something fixing, you ask my dad. But he was on holiday. 
And so I had to fix it. And so I remembered a bit of like technology stuff, and I knew that you could buy these blocks. So I said to Sam, my son, I said, we're going to fix the lawnmower. Come with me, and I'll show you how. And so I showed him how not to fix the lawnmower. So we went to the DIY store. We bought one of those blocks. I can't even remember what it's called. It's one of these things, plastic thing, where you can undo some screws, put a couple of wires in one end, a couple of wires in the other end. All, all sorted then. Um, that's not how you fix a lawnmower, just in case you're wondering. This is not a health and safety lesson. So I get the block, show Sam, say, right, strip this cable, use your teeth, strip this one, then you put it in there, screw it all together, that's it, done. Sorted. Switch on power, switch on lawnmower, power's there. Sam is like, wow, you can fix a lawnmower, and then just walks off. So now I've fixed it, I now need to mow the lawn. So I start mowing the lawn. Now, the thing in terms of my fixing is obviously it's a relatively temporary fix. And the thing when you've screwed bits of cable together is that they start to pull on the thing that you've fixed them in together. I wish I'd found out. It's a connector block, I think. Um, there we go. Vince has agreed. He does why He knows. A connector block. So I'm mowing the lawn. As I'm mowing the lawn, the connector block splits. And one of the cables falls out. So at that point, I think, I better put that back in. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so I grab it. <laughs> Woof! That hurt. <laughs> Things I can reveal about that moment. One is this, I'm still alive. Second thing, there's real power that goes through that cable to power that lawnmower. Believe me, it doesn't feel like a tickle. It's quite a lot. And it hurts. To be honest, I think if I'd kept my fingers on it, it would have burnt. But it definitely hurt, and I definitely felt it go up the arm and dropped it before it got here. Um, now, I don't think it was designed to do that. I don't think Mr. Flymo, when he designed his lawnmower, thought, I know, this will give people a bit of a cheeky shock sometimes. No, I think he genuinely designed it thinking there's real power here, but there's a purpose in it. There's a purpose in that power. That what it's going to do is it's going to cause your lawnmower to mow your lawn. That's, that's why Lucy says, to clarify, that's why she normally mows the lawn, because um, I have a habit of doing various accidents around myself. Um, I guess what's getting clear here, firstly, before we look at this, is that none of you are ever going to invite me around to do any DIY. <laughs> that's like the best news ever, isn't it? Like, for me, I'm just thinking, you're never going to invite me to do anything. And also, what's also happening is I've just played the pity card. So some of you are going to rush me in saying, how can I help, patron? I say, well, there is a lawn. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to this. Why am I telling stories? Because actually we're talking about something that is true like my lawnmower. That need, there is real power going into it once I plug it into that electricity. But that power is for purpose. And what Paul wants us to understand is when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is one of true and ultimate power. I don't know if you picked up the words that he uses in terms of the real power of the Holy Spirit. He says, this power is incomparable. In other words, there is nothing that can get close to relating to the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing. 
It then uses other words to kind of not build a picture of what the Holy Spirit's like, but kind of a way to just keep saying, oh, well, I'm going to use everything I can in the language. In the original Greek, this would have just been multiple uses of words, just like spelling them out in order that we'd understand this is real power at our disposal. He says, oh, this power is like might. It's like strength. It's like might. It means that, in other words, it's just powerful. It's incomparable how powerful this power is. This is, oh no, it's not just incomparable in terms of power and might, it's also incomparable in terms of strength. You can think of the strongest thing you could ever think of, the strongest moment. I can think of that lawnmower electricity, and, and Paul saying, oh, that's nothing. That's, that's nothing. What we're talking about power here is incomparable. It cannot be compared to that. Jesus is incomparable, mighty strength. And then he says, use this word, exerted. And that word there, exerted, actually a better translation would be Energy. This power is the very energy of God. The energy to make things happen. Just like electricity makes my lawnmower go, the spirit is making things happen for God. You see at the very beginning of the story, Genesis 1. God speaks the word. The word goes to create. The spirit is hovering and bringing everything into birth. The very energy, the very strength and might of God. It's not a thing. It's a person, the spirit. And Paul says, this real power has real substance. He says it in two different ways. He says, actually, this power has substance in that it raised Christ from the dead. I don't know who you know who can physically by themselves raise someone from the dead and then cause them to live forever. I don't know anyone who can do that. And Paul says, oh, no, but the Spirit can and did. The reason why Jesus is alive now is because the Spirit raised him to life. He says, oh, he's not only the one who brings about this new life, resurrected life. The Spirit's also one who then seated Jesus at the right hand of the Father with all power over everything. Now, we're going to look at this in more detail next week. But that everything is like everything. He tries to specify. He says, well, it's over everything. It's all power, rule and authority, power and dominion over every name that is invoked not only in this age, but in the age to come. He's saying that if you could think of anything, anything that could be named, Jesus got power over it, rule and reign over it. And why he's got it is that because the Spirit has given him that power. The Spirit has raised him up in order that Jesus have authority and rule over everything. Paul says this power is like no other. And it's a power that brings about substance, a substance of new life, and of ruling and reigning. And it's a power, therefore, that every single one of us, that it's available to. So if we flip to the next side, it's a power that we need to realize. And I'd say there's two ways that we need to realize this power. It's a power that we need to realize within, and it's a power that we're going to see is there for us to then witness with. See, this power is to reveal, for us to understand, is be realized within us, is, why, is what Paul's painted, it's done for Jesus. It's a power that's there to under, allow us to know that we have new life and that we can reign. And in terms of new life, we find in Romans 8, 15, it says this, the spirit you received has brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. This spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now within us in order that we would know 
in the very core of our being that we're now the children of God. That we'd know that what Jesus has accomplished through his life, death, and resurrection means that we don't hang around as dutiful servants, thinking, oh, who am I? But rather that we get to understand that we have now been raised to be children of God, to be those who, like the Son, have eternally been loved, to be part of this eternal communal family of Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Spirit is there wanting and yearning for us to understand that we're those now that are children of God, forever loved, forever accepted, forever chosen and predestined to be part of this, forever those that have been redeemed from death to life, forever those that are those that are now going to live forever, that what has happened to Jesus will happen to us. That Spirit is working continuously within us. But it's also a spirit that is longing to cause us to understand that we get to reign. Reign within. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace, that's God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The spirit is longing to work within us, to understand just as he is accomplished with Jesus, causing him to reign over everything. The Spirit wants us to understand that we now can reign within our lives. That means that in the moments of weakness, as Paul says, we get to know strength. This doesn't mean that we're those who live life thinking, oh yeah, everything's perfect all the time. It's like the Lego movie in my life. I follow Jesus and suddenly everything is awesome. Everything is awesome when you're part of the Trinity. No, it's not that. It's that actually... Sometimes life isn't awesome. Sometimes life really, really sucks. Sometimes life doesn't go the way I planned it. Sometimes I make mistakes and I hurt people. Sometimes people make mistakes and they hurt me. Sometimes I feel like I'm on top of the world. Sometimes I feel like I could crawl under a rock, this is me personally, and hide from everyone. And in those moments, God says, I know, but the Spirit's in you. Because even in those moments, when you feel the weakest you could ever be, the Spirit wants to come and cause you to know my strength. In order that you aren't overpowered by those moments, but you get to reign through them. Understanding that his strength is made perfect when we're weak. It also means that we're not alone. We're not alone when it comes to The battles we have are saying, I want to live with Jesus at the very center of my being. I don't want to live with what I want and the way I can live. And so those moments where you think, I know this isn't the best. What do we call those moments? If I know this isn't the best, I know this isn't what God wants, we call that sin. And those moments where we're saying, oh, but I don't want to do that, but I find myself doing it. I think, oh no, it's just the power, it's back to me, Adrian. I'll take it from here, God. Jesus, I know you've got my salvation, but I'm going to take it from here. I'm going to keep hitting the wall saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then I find myself doing it. And God said, no, no, I've put my spirit in you. In order that you'd know in those moments, I have strength for you to say no. This isn't for you to do alone. It isn't for me to do alone. It's so that we can know that God is there for us. My biggest battle that I've faced in my life, many of you here know this, I don't mind telling you, my biggest battle was fear. 
That's it, it just crippled me. Fear of what people thought of me, fear of what could happen to me. And that crippled me. I, I would quadruple check locks. When you watch those cleaners, what is it, um, compulsive cleaners, the OCD thing. To be honest, I was never diagnosed, but that is, when I look at what they did, I thought, man, that's what, how I lived. And in that, I tried everything. I knew that in following Jesus, he said, oh, no, I've, I've got your back. What can separate you from my love? And so I'd live saying, okay, yeah, what can separate me from your love? And then I think, well, that can. And I just lived totally crippled by it. And I worked hard. To be honest, like I said, I worked harder than anyone. I try not to fear. And all I did is I feared more and more and more until it totally crippled everything about me. Until I realized that actually I'm not meant to do this by myself. I'm meant to live knowing, Jesus, you have brought me freedom in everything. But you haven't called me then to say, go and figure it for yourself. But rather, Jesus, you say, actually now I give you the power to live in this freedom. And so I started an adventure 18 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, because I keep getting older. I don't know why. 20 years ago. And saying, right, day by day, moment by moment, God, I choose in this moment to trust you. Holy Spirit, I say, would you give me the strength to trust and to not choose that path of fear? And that's what happened. And I know freedom. And you know what? I still have to make the choice. I still have to say, God, I, I can't take it from here. Because I tell you what, dude, when I do start to say, I've got it. I got this. I'm free of fear. I can get this one. It's that moment. I suddenly find myself, did I lock the car? I thought, I'd be, what on earth am I doing? And yet it's there. Because actually, we're not meant to do this alone. We do it with God. But that's the first thing. It's within. It's also a power that's there for us to witness. Jesus said this, Acts 1. Hey, if we go to the next slide. Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, God wants us to understand in revealing him and causing others to taste and see that he is good in every single way and they're seeing that God's kingdom is coming to earth. We don't have to do it in our own strength that God has sent his spirit within us in order that we can reveal it, in order that we can be those who show new life. I can tell you just two stories. I haven't got time to tell you loads. Here's two stories just from this last week that I've heard. One within the community, one outside the community. One within the community. I hear about uh, Chris Breeze playing guitar here. And Chris Breeze was telling me, he didn't look like that, did he? He's more like this. Um, so Chris Breeze is telling me that out of his desire to see the kingdom break out, God's kingdom break out in this earth and bring hope to people, a guy who's met through street outreach, uh, who used to be a chef in a former life, is sleeping rough now. Chris thinks it isn't enough to just say, how can we feed you? How can we clothe you? Actually, we have to bring him a hope. We have to show him that Jesus actually is the answer to everything. Therefore, how can we cause that to happen for this guy? And he said, well, we could create work. So Chris is also a university. So he goes to his university and says, hey, would you help sponsor a social enterprise that I've got an idea for? Well, we provide food. We get food from local restaurants and shops. It's kind of just getting to its out sale by date. And we get that and we give it to this guy who used to be a chef. And we allow him to make soups and sandwiches. And then we get to sell it on campus here. Would you help me do this? And so what they say is, the guild say, hey, we want to help you do that. We want to help finance that. And then he finds there's seven people who don't know Jesus yet who say, I want to help do that as well. 
That's a moment of saying, God, I want your power in me to start to bring new life for this person. Another one, this last week here. Actually, I'll tell you two stories. One guy, he talks about, um, not within Oasis, someone I know, he talks about how he'd been praying for different people who were unwell. And this lady comes to him, and she's got a broken leg in plaster, literally just broken it, comes around and says, would you pray for me? He's thinking, well, I don't need to pray for you. You've got it in plaster. It'll be okay. She says, no, no, you pray for me and pray that it be healed. So he thinks, well, God's power, this is up to you. God, I pray. And this is literally what he says. God, I pray, would you heal this leg so that no one can doubt it was healed? Two days later, he gets a call from someone uh, who knows this person, says, have you heard the news? And he says, no, I haven't heard anything. She said, well, this lady knew that her leg had been healed, so she went to hospital that day after you praying for her. And then said to the doctors, my leg is healed, you need to take plaster off. They said to her, no, it's not, it's broken. You've got to keep the plaster on. So she fought with them. She's a feisty character and said, you've got to x-ray it. So they x-rayed it, the bones completely healed. So they cut the plaster off. Next story, a lady that I got to meet last week, she tells this story. She says she was walking, uh, she was running late for work, walking through the park. As she gets through the park, she feels God speak to her through his spirit and say, you need to stop and notice someone near you. She's never had that happen before. She's thinking, what on earth's going on? I'm running late. She stops, turns, and sees this guy on the bench. As she sees this guy on the bench, she just says to him, are you okay? At that point, he's welling up and just says, no, I'm not. I was thinking I was going to take my life. She then gets to say, look, I don't know if you believe in God, but I do. And God told me to stop in this moment and tell you and notice you. And I think it's because God wants you to know he notices you. And this guy goes, really? And she says, can I pray for you? And he says, yes. So she prays for him. At the end of the prayer, he says this, I know Jesus is my friend. See, God's power at working us is in order that we'd make a difference, in order that we'd bring new life, but it's also that we'd bring reigning and reveal what that is. That isn't like dominating other people. It's rather saying, actually, regardless of what life throws at us, we get to reign within it. Primo example of this. He hates it when I talk about him. Vince Rickett. Vince Rickett lives with cancer in his body. That's the reality. And yet he doesn't allow it to dominate him. Why? Because he knows that God, the power that is working him, is able to give him strength and joy and peace daily. And so that everyone who comes in contact with Vince knows his story, believer and unbeliever, knows that he has a story where cancer is a big part of it. And yet what they leave saying is, how come he always smiles? And how come he seems to know peace and joy? In the hospital, Vince is known, Debs tells me this, Vince will never tell me. Deb tells me this, Deb says Vince's wife. says, in the hospital, Vince is known as the smiley man. Because even when he's had a big op to remove a tumour, what they encounter the nurses is a guy who just keeps smiling. Why? Not because he's got some self-help book that he picks up every oh, smile in the morning. No, because he's understood there is a power at work with him that causes him to reign in life regardless of circumstances, which then brings something that others look in and say, there is something different about you. Which means we get this power to receive. A power that's there for every single one of us. Jesus told this story, Luke 11, 11 to 13. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Man, I'm flawed as a dad. That's the deal. I really am. I'm not that good. I'm okay, but not that good. 
But I tell you what, if my kids ask me for food or drink, I'll give it to them. And the thing is, they don't just ask me once in their life. It isn't this moment they suddenly are able to speak and said, Father, please could I have a drink and something to eat? And I say, yes, here you go. Here's a bread and a glass of water. And they say, thank you very much. That'll do me nicely for the rest of my life. Now, do you know what? Often it's many, many times on every single day that your kids come to you and say, give us a drink, give us some food. And in that moment, I don't say, oh, I did that once. You've had your quota, no more. Jesus says, Adrian Hurst, flawed. God the Father, as Mike told us a couple of weeks ago, I thought this is a great way of putting it. He's not a puffed up version of our dads however good or bad they might have been. He's the plumb line of every father, what every father was men and modeled themselves on. And I tell you what, what Jesus says is that father loves to give the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks. And we need to ask him like in the context of this, of understanding just like my kids who will ask for food and drink daily, multiple times. We need to be those who are coming to the Father and saying, Father, I need your Spirit within in this moment. Father, I need your Holy Spirit in this moment as I seek to witness. If you think that you had this one moment, one moment in time where you said, oh, now I've received the Spirit. Let's get on with life. That's not how it works because that's going back to what Jesus was revealing not how not to live. That's going back to the whole way of seeing the power. There's a problem with it. That's an independent way of living. That's a kind of working hard way of living. Rather, the way that we live is moment by moment every day saying, in this moment, as I wake up, God, I need your spirit in order that I would know what it is, your new life. I know what it is to reign in life. As I step out my door, as I'm revealing who you are, God, God, I need your spirit to do this. It causes us to get to a point of saying, I need you. And that's what I want us to finish off with. I wonder if we could stand just to finish. Can I guess just to close your eyes? Here's the deal. I have the advantage over you at this point in time as I got to prepare before this. Do you know the thing I had to do? Is I had to Repent. Repent is this word that we use, which basically says, I'm going to stop going this way and go exactly the opposite way. And I had to repent of my independence, of saying, do you know what? I'm going to take it from here, daily. I'd often do that. So oh, it's okay today, I've got it, God. I had to repent. I had to repent of my sense of not really wanting power because I'd seen it so negative. I said, God, I want to see how you really reveal and want to show power. And I just wonder for a moment that for some of us, we just need to say, Jesus, I just repent. I repent of trying to do it my own way. Trying to say, I can take it. And I'm going to turn and say, having said I can't do this, I say, I need you. So let's just do that. That's where we are. Just wave that out. I just wonder if, can I just pray for us? God, I, 
I thank you that when we say we need you, you're not a father who says wait. You're not a father who says I've done this before. You're a father who loves to give us everything we need. And I thank you, you're a father who loves to give us the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that isn't about just this moment now. It's actually about every moment this afternoon, every moment this evening. It's about every moment tonight, as for some of us, we struggle with sleep again. For some of us, we are worried about tomorrow. It's in all of that that you're wanting us to know your spirit. The Holy Spirit want to be those that live understanding that power that raised Christ from the dead. You're now living within us. And you're wanting us to cause us to know that we get to see this new life now. That power that's raised Christ to reign over all is a work in us to understand that we can reign even on Monday mornings. And I pray, God, would you cause us to be a community that's different? That actually is a community that's so willing to say, do you know what? I'm weak. I can't do it. I really can't. But God, with you, I can. And I pray, God, would we be those that continuously are able to say, but with God, I can. And I ask out of this today, I pray, would you, Holy Spirit, cause us to come more and more daily, moment by moment, receiving everything you have for us as we live out everything in everywhere. Amen.